0: The word gratitude can elicit an eye roll, especially, you know, count your blessings or what are you grateful for, especially in an impossible moment where you're just literally scared to death or you're on the verge of erupting into tears and someone comes in and says, count your blessings. But really, when you look at the science, which I won't go into about, you know, how it affects our wellness and it affects our blood pressure and it it really brings healing and wellness in a situation that's really, really hard. And so to me, gratitude is an alchemist.
1: Welcome, I'm your host Dino Cattaneo, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership for Everyday People, the podcast where we investigate the connection between effective leadership and authenticity. If you're looking for inspiration and tips on how to become a better leader by being your true self, you're in the right place. This episode comes out on what in the US is Thanksgiving week, so it is a little shorter. My guest and good friend, Scarlett Keyes, is a songwriter and educator. She teaches at the prestigious Berklee College of Music. She's the author of the book, The Craft of Songwriting. She hosts the podcast, What's in a Song? And she was recently in the news because she designed and is teaching a course on the songwriting of Taylor Swift at Berklee. But that's not why she's here. She's here because today's episode is about gratitude, a topic she explored in depth in the past three years as she went through a challenging health experience. Today, we will talk about her story. We will talk about how gratitude is among the things that help her make it through. And also, we will talk about why, while she was delivering a TED Talk about songwriting last spring, she felt the calling to share her broader learnings with everybody who is going through a difficult time. And all these learnings are in a book that's coming out. So, I hope you will find this episode inspiring, and have a great Thanksgiving. Scarlett, thank you so much for agreeing to be part of my gratitude episode. It's great to see you. Let's just start with a a little gratitude, just a small one.
0: Well, you know, I'm glad to be here with you. I'm glad to have an opportunity to talk about one of my favorite things, which is, you know, the feeling of gratitude as we approach the season of Thanksgiving.
1: It's great that you're saying that because I'm grateful to be here with you and to be here with you in more ways than one. I'm very grateful to have you here. The past three years, as people are going to hear in this conversation, have been very trying for you, and I'm glad that we are past that, and then you're here. So you are just launching a new book that's going to come up in a little bit, which is called What If It All Goes Right? Practicing Hope in the Artist's Time. Great topic for Thanksgiving week. Why don't you tell our listeners sort of the journey you went through?
0: I was diagnosed a couple of years ago. On my birthday with breast cancer. And of course, you know, one in eight women are diagnosed in their lifetime, but you kind of think it's not going to be you. And to hear the, the C word associated with me was the scariest moment of my life. And I have since gone through surgery and chemotherapy and am now a year out of treatment. And during the couple of years going through treatment surgery and chemotherapy i did the whole okay what can we learn from this is there a gift that can come from from a diagnosis like this and you know i thought if i ever had if i'd ever come face to face with mortality in a real way like that one might think okay i'm going to i'm going to climb mount everest or you know i'm going to see the northern lights or Maybe I'm going to win the Grammy or whatever that goal might be. But it was weirdly coming down to, I've got to learn to turn this ocean liner of busyness and hustling around and learn how to live well. And there's nothing like an actual health crisis and being tired from chemotherapy to really show you how to set a boundary. You know, it's really hard to interrupt a luncheon and say, I got to go lie down when there's really no excuse, except that you're just tired (laughs) and or saying no to an invitation with someone who really doesn't make you feel good in their presence or saying yes to too many things for the wrong reasons, that kind of stuff. It was really me gathering wellness and reaching out for help from people that could really support me in looking at the way I'd been living, because I realized that I am not going to heal in the same life that I got sick in. I I don't blame myself, but I do know that when we aren't treating our bodies well or as well as we can, meaning skipping exercise or just maybe drinking too much coffee or are pushing the envelope too much because we're we're workaholics in my case <laughs> I'll admit and you know I felt like I well I had been in the fast lane and now I was in the breakdown lane and I had to learn how to live in the middle lane and because I had a habit of busyness and achievement I would feel Feel my alignment get off, and I would steer back into the fast lane, and I would have to pull my car back into the middle lane. And, you know, I reached out to different sources a life coach, a Reiki practitioner, which at first, you know, I was a little trepidatious about because I thought, I wasn't that kind of like a dog psychic. <laughs> you know? But my surgeon had handed me her card, and she was such an incredible part of my healing and learning to be well. And part of being well was practicing gratitude. And part of being well was finding joy in the hardest moments, which is not about denial. It's not about toxic positivity. It's about, okay, I'm afraid. I'm fearful. I'm anxious. And look out the window. I'm afraid, I'm anxious, and this is, this nurse is so lovely. Look what they're doing for me. Or, you know, it's, it's about balancing the beauty in the darkness, not denying the darkness or just focusing on the beauty. And all of these practices from, you know, finding ways to laugh in the midst of the hardest moment or finding ways to just stop and go do a meditation and give myself that time to be well— I was just gathering all this incredible information and I thought, gee, I would love to just write this down and share this with other people that not that aren't not just the people that are sitting in an infusion chair, but people that are just burnt out. I think as a culture, that is a word I'm hearing over and over again. And it's a word that I use over and over again. And we all have to sort of band together and just make it a big decision, like wellness is is king. Being healthy is is what matters most. And so that brings me to gratitude, and it also brings me to the idea of this book. You know, I, I gave a TED Talk in May, and it was a TED Talk about songwriting and how we can use songs in our lives and how songwriters think about you know the neuroscience of songwriting and just a lot of different things about songwriting and but while I was up on the stage I just felt this feeling of you know I think I would really love to be in a capacity in the world where I could bring humor and all that I've learned to other people that that need that in their lives right now and I thought I really should write a book but you know again I was I was still going through treatments but then I found out that the TED Talk had gone had gotten picked up by Global. And I thought, well, I'd like to meet that moment. I'm going to go ahead and take this as a sign that I should write the book. And so the book is called, as you said, What If It All Goes Right? Practicing Hope in the Hardest Times. And we're all in the hardest times. I feel like the whole world needs flowers delivered at their door. We're all going through our hard things. And so I... The book is not focused on my cancer journey. In fact, I don't even talk about that really in depth until the very last chapter.
1: Let's talk about the title of the book, because I think it is a beautiful title. And specifically, the question, what if it all goes right? What's in that question?
0: Most of us, as human beings, have experienced the negativity bias that we have in our brain that comes from the caveman days or early man where you know we're just looking for the next threat because our brain is here to keep us alive not to help us thrive and i you know noticed in my life where i might think about the worst possible outcome or you know you take a plane ride you have a thought about the plane <laughs> arriving safely or just an everyday thing you might give a presentation and and hope it, whatever we could imagine and when I really came face-to-face with a cancer diagnosis and all of the things I had to face through treatment, which was chemotherapy, immunotherapy, and surgery. Um, You know, nothing like a major surgery to turn on the amygdala alarm and get you into fight and flight. And I noticed what my body had to go through when I was imagining the worst possible outcome. It was full of adrenaline and cortisol, and I realized, hold on, that's not good for me. And the truth is, is I don't know how this is going to turn out. And if I imagine the worst, which I love the quote that imagination, you know that that worry is the misuse of imagination. And so since we're really imagining things anyway, I thought, why don't I do myself a favor and imagine the best possible outcome? They're both imagination, but why don't I pick that? Because chances are, things might go well. They might go right. And so leading up to whatever the big scary thing is or the hard thing that we're facing, we could do our body and ourselves a favor by imagining the worst or at least imagining going well or imagining, you know, if you have, if you're about to go into the hospital, maybe just imagine, you know, what if everyone's kind? What if, what if they're all there to help me? What if the universe is conspiring for me, not against me? And our body will feel so much better. And it's so much, it's a better healing environment, period, to just err on the side of optimism.
1: So I assume it's been a journey to be able to walk into the situation with this mindset. I don't know if you started out immediately when you heard the news like, oh, well, if everything goes right. What were some of the, the key steps that helped you starting to get first to have this mindset and then to be able to kind of recall it when you really need it?
0: Of course, the first moment is terror and fear and cortisol and adrenaline. So that's 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 probably just what we're all gonna feel when we when we're face something like, you know, a divorce serving or anything big and scary, uh, especially when it comes to our health. And I took a breath and I thought, all right, how do I want to be through this? How do I want to walk through this hard thing? And there were so many things that I was gathering on my way. And you know, I know that, There's the term toxic positivity, which this is not. This is, I know this is hard. I know this is scary. And what beautiful things can I notice on the way? What other things can I bring with me so that my body is in a better healing state? So I knew that, you know, that I was going to be facing something hard, but I had a choice. I knew it was going to be hard and I knew it was going to be painful but I had a choice to suffer or not. I believe suffering is self-inflicted and it's optional. I just gathered my tribe of friends and family. I was somebody who wasn't gonna suffer silently and, and you know go un, under the radar because you know I need a GoFundMe and a, a meal train for a hangnail. I am a pretty sensitive person and I knew I was gonna need everyone and everything. And I very quickly just announced it because it was like, I know that love is is a powerful healing agent. It almost feels trite, but it's it's trite for a reason. And that's because it's just true and used over and over again. And, and so with love and friendship and all the things I get, had gathered to walk through this hard thing, boy, it really, I felt buoyant. I felt buoyed by by kindness and love. And I had many days in a chemotherapy chair where I was laughing hysterically and left there and went straight to the ocean, took my shoes off and walked in the water with my best friend. And we actually said, wow, today was great. Oh, right. We had chemotherapy. You know, it was really something. And it wasn't about denial. It was about, this is really hard. And let's bring some sunshine into this room while we're at it. It doesn't have to be all or nothing.
1: That's beautiful. You're talking a lot about Rob, is right your understanding of how the body works and the cortisol, et cetera. When did you start focusing on that? Was that an interest that you had before this or is this part of like a new understanding that you garnered in this as you went through the process?
0: No, I mean, I didn't really have the energy to study neuroscience. <laughs> I was a little tired, but but I have studied for years and found it so interesting, you know, as a songwriting professor, you know, why does the listener respond like this when we play a certain note and noticing different things that will release dopamine in the, the listener's brain and, and you know, being friends with professor and Dr. Daniel Levinton, who wrote This Is Your Brain on Music and having many conversations about music in the brain, but also looking at you know instead of people throwing around like you should be grat- grateful or you should meditate i really kind of i was really interested in the science and and the wellness that comes from these practices and i had been very focused on that for a long time before going into treatment
1: so I'm glad you're bringing up the connection between the music and the brain because you said earlier that you did a TED Talk about songwriting and, and that it was somewhat part of it was intertwined, I think, with your personal story. Take me to the moment when you, when you had this realization that was more than the songwriting and that you wanted your interest to shift. What was that like and, and, and what was the, the intuition, if you will?
0: I was on stage and I... When I gave the TED Talk, there's a theater here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire that ha- it seats 900 people. And just being up on stage and just feeling such a connection to that audience. And I knew there were many, many people in that audience who had been touched by cancer, were going through cancer, had survived cancer. And I felt that, you know, when people are going through chemotherapy and they're going through the hard thing, asking them to read a really dense book... Or asking them, like, for example, there was an author that had written about her cancer journey, and I really wanted to read the book, but I found, I found I was very triggered by the details of her story because I was in trauma, didn't need to read about trauma. And I just had this feeling of, you know what, I think I could help, I well, you know, that's a big ask to help people, but I think my journey and my experience and all the tools I had gathered could be really beneficial and I thought I should really write a book that is not digging into really my trauma but dealing into all the things that I used to look at my life the life that I got sick in and how I'm changing it to a life I'm getting well in and how can I share that with other people so really it's like 2 to 3 pages per chapter so they're just if someone's just tired or they're having a bad day and they just want to read you know, two pages of something with a suggestion and maybe some humor and poetry woven in, then that's what I felt like I want that I could give. And on that stage, I felt like I think there's something more here than just how songwriting can help us. There's something more here than than just what music can do to help us.
1: Which brings us to the book and brings us to the theme of today's episode, which is gratitude. And I know you said you have a lot of thoughts around gratitude. And uh, there's even a chapter in the book that's dedicated to gratitude. So let's talk about that.
0: I really do love a book that starts with a quote. And I start the chapter about gratitude, which is titled The Alchemy of Gratitude, with a Rumi quote. And the quote is, "...be grateful for your life, every detail of it, and your face will come to shine like the sun, and everyone who sees it will be made glad and peaceful." persist in gratitude and you will slowly become one with the sun of love and love will shine through you in all healing joy and gratitude can feel the word gratitude i feel sometimes can be you know it can elicit an eye roll especially you know count your blessings or what are you grateful for especially in an impossible moment where you're just literally scared to death or you're on the verge of erupting into tears and someone comes in and says count your blessings I think gratitude has become sort of in the category of you know think positive but really when you look at the science which I won't go into about you know how it affects our wellness and it affects our blood pressure and it, it really brings healing and wellness in a situation that's really really hard and so You know, to me, gratitude is an alchemist. And one of the features of gratitude is that you can't feel grateful and resentful at the same time. You can't feel grateful and angry or annoyed or scared at the same time. So it's a lot like laughter. You know, it comes in and it just changes the chemistry in the room and your body immediately when you look at gratitude. So I love it because gratitude is available to us at any moment you know, sitting in the dentist's office, gripping, you know, white knuckling it and just taking a minute to go. you know what, I'm really, I looked at my dentist two weeks ago, and I said, thank you for being here. And thank you for being so good at this and helping me with my teeth. I really appreciate it. And she goes, Oh, my God, no one ever says that. And She goes, I'm giving you a discount. Really, she actually did give me a discount. But it made me feel better. And, you know, making a habit of gratitude really is like, it, it sets up a Google search engine in our brain when in the morning, when we think about three things we're grateful for, it starts our brain looking for other things that we're grateful for. So on days that were really, really hard, I had a life coach that suggested, okay, do a gratitude blast. Spend an hour naming everything in your visual space that you're grateful for. Because the thing is, is everything we have is once something we wanted. Think about that. All the things we have are things usually were things that we wanted. And I can look around and go, you know what? I really wanted that desk. I'm really grateful for that desk. I really wanted that Topachico, Chico <laughs> my desk and I have it. So really doing like a gratitude blast or bigger than that, you could do, you know, a gratitude grenade where you just, you know, think about gratitude for an entire day. That's a big ask. But boy, will that change everything. I also like humor, the humorous gratitude. And that might be <laughs> the joke about, okay, let's be, let's use humor and gratitude and think about, all right, what are all the things you don't have that you don't want? And that's pretty funny. So for example, I'm so grateful I don't have a full body tattoo of Tony Danza that I regret and now have to have removed. But you could do a whole list of just hilarious, ridiculous things. And I had a friend who, was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she called me and she goes, I can't believe I just got diagnosed. And my husband, Drew, has been asking me for half an hour how he looks in his new jacket, which was just so funny to me. And so when she had to go in for her first round of radiation, I sent her a text and I said, Well, you know, there are worse things than radiation. You could be, um, you know, cleaning all the porta-potties in a small town or extracting blackheads from sumo wrestlers or once again, commenting on Drew's new jacket. (laughs) And she just thought, thank you, thank you. I'm gonna walk in with that. So really there's different ways to practice um, gratitude. And even you could take a moment to have a session where you look and you use retrospective gratitude, looking back at old pictures, things you've done, People that have been kind to you, so there's a lot in that chapter about ways we can use gratitude. And even though it feels like a cliche, you know, things are a cliche because they work.
1: So we've talked a lot about gratitude, and you know, these episodes of this Thanksgiving week. Do you have a good Thanksgiving story that you're willing to share with us?
0: I'd actually like to share something that happened to me at one Thanksgiving that I never forgot. And that is, I went to Maine to some in-laws for Thanksgiving to my in-law's house for Thanksgiving. And one of the wives of one of the cousins had brought this jar of cream, this glass jar, big jack big glass jar of cream. And in the cream there were marbles. And while we were waiting for the turkey to finish cooking, everybody held this glass jar and started to shake it. And while you shake it, you say, "I'm grateful for." And then you pass it to the next person, and they shake the cream. And they say, I'm grateful for, and literally it was half an hour of passing this jar of cream around with marbles in it. And by the end of it, literally, if you could measure molecules of gratitude, I think the whole room would have been full of, you know, levity and, and lightness and just, just the feeling of being grateful. And then as we were shaking the cream, it, 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 got thicker and thicker, and it became butter. And so we called it gratitude butter. And we brought that to the table. And everybody used that on their rolls and on their mashed potatoes. And it really changed the entire room for the day. And everybody was in the best mood. And everybody just felt full of their life. And it was really unforgettable.
1: That was a great story and a fabulous point to finish that portion of our conversation. Before we go into, I'm actually going to ask you only one personal question, but before we go into that, I know your book is coming out in early 2024, but I also know that it's available for people to pre-order. So where can people go to pre-order it right now?
0: So if you go to scarletkeys.com, S-C-A-R-L-E-T, k-e-y-s.com and you can scroll down and pre-order and if you do pre-order you'll get an autographed copy of that and a and the chapter a free chapter on gratitude in time for thanksgiving if you order it before thanksgiving
1: that's great so we're now going into what is normally the personal section of the podcast we talked a lot about your personal interests early on and i don't want to really ask the question about The business expression that drives you crazy because I feel in this episode, I don't want to have a negative thing. So I want to close on a positive thing. And it's a question when I recommend people, you know, food for your body or food for your soul. I'm going to ask you can choose either one. If we're going to go the body way, a recipe or a drink that you're loving, you know, it can be something you're loving right now or something that has been a constant in your life. Or if you want to go the soul route, maybe a book, a song, a piece of music, a movie, a piece of art, a theater, something that nourishes your soul.
0: Well, you know, I think I'm a little boring right now with food because, you know, I'm always trying to eat as many vegetables as possible.
1: (laughs) So what's your favorite vegetable right now?
0: Actually, I'd like to go get a green juice because I feel like, let's just get this done.
1: Great. So, do you have a? Do you have maybe like a something art related that inspires, like a song that you really like?
0: You know, there's a beautiful song titled "We Don't Know We're Living," and Brandy Carlisle uh, was one of the songwriters on that song. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous song, and I just think it's a great reminder to be present and to really appreciate our life every day, no matter what.
1: And the song is recorded by Brandy Carlisle. Mm-hmm. Great. Scarlett, once again, I'm grateful that you chose to be part of this episode. Thank you for all your great insights for our listeners and for everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving week.
0: You too. Thank you so much for having me, Dino.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, find a friend who may enjoy it and tell them that they should listen to it. If you really like the show, tell your friends and post about it on social media. Every little bit helps make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss any episode and if you listen on a platform that allows ratings or reviews like apple Podcasts, spotify audible good pods please leave us a stellar rating and a review five stars all the way stick around because after the credits i'm gonna play a song by susan catania which she actually co-wrote with scarlet For more information on the episode and all the links, go to the website al4ep.com, spelled with the number 4. You can email me at dino at al4ep.com. Please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. The handle in both places is at al4edp with the letter D, and on Facebook, look for Authentic Leadership for Everyday People. This episode was produced by me, Dino Cattaneo, with additional edits by Pro Podcast Solutions. It was recorded remotely using Squadcast.fm. The theme music was composed, produced and arranged by Nicolas Cattaneo, who also played keyboards and drums with Tony Saverino on guitar and Jesse Williams on bass. And now, as promised, here is a song at Scarlet Curl with Susan. This song actually came from a phrase that came to Scarlet in a dream, and it's called Wild Irish Moon. Enjoy.
2: Day come fast Never meant to last Some love is just like that Lights up like a candle Blows out like a match It was a smile that came out of nowhere A joy my heart had never known it's like of a day, stop along the way, but I'll never be the same. Like a wild Irish moon, gone too soon, gone too soon. Rises up in a velvet sky, then slips below the clouds. It wasn't ours to keep Just a snapshot to remember I'll see you in my dreams time.